Broadcasting live from the Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona, you are tuning in to Culture Crush with Kendra Maples. This podcast will dive into a variety of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. and thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Culture Crush Business Podcast. On this podcast, we focus on everything surrounding businesses with a good company culture. We do a deep dive into companies that are crushing it with a great culture, as well as the others that are out there to help support growing company cultures as well. Today, we have two pretty fantastic gentlemen uh, that are on the show today. We have Randy Gibb, the Dean of the Colangelo College of Business at Grand Canyon University. Welcome, Randy. Woo, 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 woo. <laughs> and we have Lloyd Hopkins, Executive Director of Million Dollar Teacher Project. Welcome, sir. I am honored to be awesome. here. I am so glad to have both of you on, especially because there's some really beautiful alignment between the two of you with your involvement and what you're doing with connecting to the community as well as the education space. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive into all of that today. Obviously, with that underlying theme of company culture and culture, that's the other part of why I'm excited to have both of you here because it's culture from kind of a different perspective, mm. right? How do you improve that company culture through work with the community, through education, through, you know, Randy, you guys are doing a lot with conscious capitalism. So how does that connect into improving company culture as well? So before we truly dive into everything, I would like to have both of you introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Randy, I'm going to start with you if you want to tell us a little bit about you. All right. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I'm honored to be on with, uh, with you, Kendra. I love Culture Crush and honored, Lloyd, to, uh, to meet you. I've heard great, great things about uh, the work you're doing our College of Education, uh, I guess, has worked with you in the past here at Grand yeah. Canyon University. So that's that's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, quickly, a little uh, background. Uh, I'm originally from Wisconsin, long ways from home. Um, God's country back there. But uh, I did uh, 26 years in the Air Force. So I kind of a second career, reinvented myself. And I spent eight years as the dean of the Colangelo College of Business. I absolutely love my job. I love what we do here at Grand Canyon University, and a week ago, I stepped into the provost role. So I've got a new challenge ahead of me, but I'm, I'm super excited because everything that we did in the College of Business is kind of bringing forward with me to this new role. Just excited to share how we've integrated aspects into uh, of conscious capitalism, stakeholder capitalism, conscious culture, servant leadership, what we taught in the B School here at Grand Canyon University, and how we're going to move forward with that across uh, Grand Canyon uh, as a whole, and the number of businesses that we interact with as we help produce talent for the economy and make this economic impact for Phoenix, for Arizona, and the Southwest region. And now we have students all over the country. So really how we can make that impact nationally with our calangelopes, our students, and uh, from all colleges uh, entering the workforce. That's awesome. And when you say that you love what you do and you love your job, that's the piece that I want to hone in on <laughs> with some of this conversation, right? Because that is the goal behind this podcast and Culture Crush and what we do is we truly believe that people should be able to say that mm -hmm. on, you know, Sunday night when they're getting ready for bed to get ready for work the next morning, they shouldn't dread it. They should go, hell yeah, I'm ready for work tomorrow, right? Mm -hmm. They should be excited like you. So, Randy, when you say that, when you say, you know, you love your job, you love what you do, obviously we'll get more into it through the conversation. But what is something right off the bat that's a reason behind that with a, a piece of what you're doing, which is why you love it? Serving in the military as a pilot for 26 years, my purpose was clear to serve our nation, serve our country. Mm -hmm. uh, definitely. I knew my role, my place, what I needed to do. And then I, I just feel blessed that I'm here now as an educator with this higher purpose of teaching and helping others. Mm -hmm. It's just so clear. It's, it's well-defined. It's articulated. And the kids are just amazing. The students that we have, the heart they have to serve, they want to learn. They want to change the world. Uh, they want to enter. They want to go to companies that have value alignment, which is exactly what you all 
of what we're talking about today in terms of the culture. Mm-hmm. And so that's it. I, I love what I do because I believe in our purpose and what we're all about uh, in terms of education, college education, and getting ready to, to impact the world with their careers. Mm-hmm. I have some questions around that that we'll get into in a little bit because GCU is, I feel like being here in Arizona, GCU is very unique with the way that you are building and preparing your students for the workforce. It's not just, hey, get this degree. Okay, go find a job. I do feel like the students that come out of GCU are a different flavor. They really (laughs) do have that servant leadership side, that conscious business feel, and they tackle things a little differently. So I'm sure we'll dive into that in a little bit, though. Next, though, I would like to jump over to Lloyd. You're doing so much in the community. And I know we're going to talk about Million Dollar Teacher Project. Yeah. There's another part of your life. Where you I'm do. multifaceted. Yeah, a lot of hats I'm multi- over there. Fa- multifaceted, yeah. for sure. So tell us a little bit about you, and it could be all of these hats. Yeah, okay. Um, so Lloyd Hopkins and, and Randy one, I'm excited to be on here with you today. I think there's a lot of linkages between the work you're doing today, your background. My father was in the Air Force, so I'm a military brat. I lived all throughout the country. I didn't go to the same school twice until I was in seventh grade. Like we literally moved yeah. every single year. And, That's and, awesome. and I say that as a kid, that was really tough mm-hmm. because, you know, you're having to make new friends every single year. But as an adult, it made me adaptable, you know, so I can certainly work a room. I can certainly get in and, and get out. So it, it benefited me in that way. And, and I use that a lot uh, in my role today. Product of the West Side, you know, went to Maryvale High School, Phoenix Union High School District alum. Um, and my neighborhood really fueled um, who I am today and the work that I do. Because I wasn't one, I, I'd like to describe myself as one of those slips through the cracks kids. And what I mean by that is I wasn't one of those kids that was good enough to get a lot of attention and also wasn't bad enough to get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like you floated right in the middle. And Randy, you're an educator. And, and often what happens is that educators, because of class size, are forced to either uh, teach to the top of the class, to the bottom of the class, or to the middle. You know, like it's hard for one person to really address all those different learning styles all in one classroom. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like I was uh, a victim of that, you know, that um, that I never had that lean on me moment where I had a teacher that put me under their wing and said, Lloyd, you're going to be somebody great, you know, and that was, to me, that's a travesty. Every kid should, ha- should have that story. You know, every kid should have, be able to raise their hand and talk about an amazing teacher that impacted their lives. So I started working in the community because I wanted to be the change I wanted to see in the world. I wanted to be that positive male influence that I didn't have growing up. And, and really where, where, that, and where that work drove me is into education. So I worked in and around education for 18 years. You know, I worked with youth offenders, dropout prevention, after school recreation. But the most meaningful time for me was the roughly six years I spent in the classroom mm-hmm. as a teaching assistant. And the reason why that time was so important, because one, it showed me I'm not cut out to be a teacher. I can't do what Randy does. But it also fueled the teacher fan in me. I so admire what you do every day and the passion and excitement that you talk about, you know, about your kids and the kids in that classroom, because it's not an easy job. And I think as a society, we take that for granted. Mm-hmm. We abuse the altruism of teachers, in my opinion, and we expect just that passion to sustain you in a career for 30 years, you know, and, it, and there are examples of it, of it's happening. But I think as a part of that, you should be well compensated. You know, you should be well resourced. And that connective tissue is what led me to create Million Dollar Teacher Project, because I believe it's a community issue to do as much as we can for teachers, because they are literally shaping our future literally shaping, uh, cultivating these brilliant minds that are in the classroom. So we need to surround the Randys of the world with the best that we have to offer as a community because of what he means 
to the community. And um, and the last thing I'll say, our other linkage, Randy, is with GCU. So you mentioned that um, um, we've worked with the Teachers College, you know, and we're really looking at how we can grow and build and strengthen that relationship, not only with the Teachers College, but across the campus, you know, because we have a lot of programs where we insert GCU students directly into the classroom in that community, you know. So, so that's a little bit of my story. I'm excited to talk to you both today, and, and I'll shut up. <laughs> you don't have to shut up. We have plenty of time. <laughs> so, so, Lloyd, yeah, I'm super interested. I, I, what, what bases did you grow up on? What, what part of the country did, uh, did you move around? Oh, uh, man, you're, so, so you're taking me back. So w- before we moved here, we were in Texas, and we were on white, in white settlement. So I'm not quite sure what side of Texas white settlement is on. Prior to that, we lived in New Jersey. I was born in, in Aurora, Colorado. I think we Ooh, spent some that's time. That's where my family is. Yeah, see, this is why we get along. <laughs> this is why. I think we spent some time in Indiana. So, again, I was, I was little. The time I really remember, though, the most fondly was, was in Texas because that's the, the place we were before we moved here. And we were in Fort Worth, Dallas. Area. Yeah. 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 And it, I liked how you mentioned uh, growing up as a, a military brat because I, I, my wife and I felt terrible because we both grew up in the same town, same yeah. community, you know, K through 12 in the same school district. And then uh, we, we moved 11 times in 26 years. Oof. Wow. And left our daughter behind our, her senior year because we didn't want to pull her, but we didn't, you know, it was a tough decision. Yeah. But now we have four kids and our youngest is going to go K through 12 through one school district. Yeah. And it's, it's just so interesting uh, that raising different kids in such you know diverse settings and locations. We're super happy that we're here. We've been here now for 10 years, but, but yeah. moving it, it you tough. have a great perspective what you shared about. Yeah. And it took me, it took me a lot of tears to come to that perspective because <laughs> in my childhood, it sucked. I was like, this is horrible. But as an adult, I really realized, you know, how adaptable I am, you know, and that, and that is an asset to be able to be adaptable. And kind of to your point, it really, we, my wife and I really put a premium on the fact that our kids have been able to have more continuity. Than, than we yeah. had, than both of us had as kids. They've done some switching schools because we 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 picked schools that were based on their talents and things that, you know, and, and things that we felt like they were gravitating towards. So we wanted to put them in schools that uh, could accentuate those things. But they've had far more continuity than we've had in our, in, when we were young. So, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll self-disclose here, but... My, our oldest daughter, when she wants to make us feel guilty, she reminds us that in, in Rhode Island, when she was like in fourth grade, she ate lunch in the bathroom because she didn't have any friends. Oh, that, oh. that just crushes you as a parent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, she's doing great in life now, these years later. All yeah. is good. But, but I also think if when she gets to that moment of reflection and and retrospection Mm -hmm. that she'll also see that that moment even young taught her her resiliency Mm -hmm. you know taught her that she like yeah it it was tough but she survived you know and and um and even when my kids had to switch schools I thought that was so important that yeah you're gonna go in and be the new kid but you're gonna learn how to socialize like you like you'll get through it and you'll survive and I think that makes you a little less fearful you know, as you get older, as an adult, it makes you a little less fearful to go into that room with a bunch of strangers because you've had experience and you and you know that it's not as scary as it sounds or as it looks. And you know that you're going to go in there and you're going to spot somebody and you're going to make a friend and then that friend is going to lead to another. So it, it so I so I, I believe she also learned her resilience through that experience as well. Right. Well, that I'm resilience sure. and that. Yeah you guys both said the word adaptable Yeah, that is contributing to, I believe both of you being successful here in Arizona, in the community, being able to, like you said, go into a room, you're going to talk to somebody, you're going to find somebody to connect with. Right. Andy, I've known you, Randy, I've known you through the community for a little while. And so it's, you are present. A lot of that, I think 
like you said, with your background and getting to where you are, I think being adaptable when it comes to that conversation of leadership and culture, and you have to be adaptable when it comes to growing a company, growing a culture. I think that's a beautiful word that may thread through the rest of this conversation, but Right. And certainly empathize with uh, the new person, right? The yeah. new kid in class. Yeah. You want to reach out and be the friend that you wish maybe yeah. you had or yeah. your, your daughter did. And she was in the bathroom eating lunch. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah, for sure. And, and, and I think the way that also applies to company culture is that, uh, and I said this when, when in the event where you and I met, mm-hmm. you know, that um, so we met at a local first Arizona State 48 Foundation speaking event. Mm-hmm. And I was one of the panelists or speakers that evening. And we were just sharing some of our business philosophies or what we feel like tools we use to be successful. And one for me that is in alignment with this, speaking of adaptability, is that, you know, I'm very focused on my destination, like where where I want the end result of my work to be, but I'm flexible on the destination, you know, the road on how to get there. Because the thing that I've learned is that you can't be too committed to just one mindset. You can't be too committed to just one way of doing things, especially as an entrepreneur. Like the way that you think is going to play out nine times out of 10, it's not (laughs) going to go, it's not going to go that way. And you can't be, so uh, bullheaded to you, the way you want it to go mm-hmm. that you don't open yourself up to new ideas, new information, maybe a better way of doing it, you know, because your ego can get in the way and you can think you're the smartest person in the room and mm-hmm. like, no, I have the best way to do it. And and the the quote that really fueled my whole mindset around this is um, Steve Jobs had a quote where he said, I don't hire smart people to tell them what to do. I hire smart people so they can tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. So what that how that resonated with me is that you want to you want to always be open to other perspectives in the work that you're doing. You know, and, and especially running a nonprofit that you want to be as impactful and successful as possible. I know that I'm only going to get so far with it just being Lloyd and it just being my way, because my circle of influence is only this this big, you know. Um, but when you invite other people in, that circle of influence grows, you know. And then you allow them to put their own spin on this idea, on this vision. And that's where growth really happens. So adaptability not only helps me as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a nonprofit leader, but it but it's really woven into my my organizational culture from our programs mm-hmm. to how I approach my staffing all the way around. So on that note, as you're talking about increasing this circle of influence and, and growing it, both of you are very well connected with this business community here in Phoenix. I want to talk about that connecting with the community and the reasoning behind it and how that can help benefit a company, especially with what you're doing with Million Dollar Teacher Project, but also with what your other hat is that you wear, right? Yeah. Connecting the community. When it comes to a company building their culture and building their teams and just building that strength and their, their you know, we've got the servant leadership and all of this. What's the purpose? What's the benefit is in reaching the community and connecting with the community. And like you said, Lloyd, in growing that circle of influence. Yeah. So for me, one, I believe that it's 100% possible for us to change the world. You know, like it's 100% possible. Um, And especially doing something as audacious as Million Dollar Teacher Project, where our goal is really education reform. We want to make a more uh, more equitable education system Mm -hmm. for everybody, right? And so when I first launched this organization, a lot of people would tell me things like, well, you're not going to see that type of change in your lifetime. Like, that's not going to happen. And being the forever optimist that I am and a bit stubborn, I started looking at things that have actually changed the world in our lifetime. You know, so we look at the fact that we're sitting here doing a podcast, you know, this new form of radio, this new form of communication. This wasn't necessarily happening like this when we were kids where anybody could have the tools and the resources and 
to launch a platform. Things like Facebook, you know, mm-hmm. that wasn't around when I was a kid. And that has formed how we all communicate, how we all interact. Things like Google. Google is now a verb. I can say Google that. And you know exactly what that means. Yeah. When I was a kid, it was Wikipedia, you know. And so the the thing that, and, and I'm getting to your point, but the thing those that's connected in there is that the commonality with all of those things is that they, they are community-driven, mm-hmm. cost-effective, and easy access. So I believe it's 100% possible to change the world. You just have to create the right solution. And so with Million Dollar Teacher Project, my aim is to create the right solutions that can be scaled to really change how education looks. So every program we create has those three elements, community-driven. And so the reason why we focus on the community aspect is because the people being impacted by the work have to believe in it. And they have to be able to take ownership of it. And they have to be able to participate in the solution in the delivery of the solution. Cost effectiveness, it can't be too expensive to implement your solution. And it has to be community-driven, cost-effective, and easy access. Mm-hmm. So there can't be too many barriers or roadblocks for a person to get involved. What I want is somebody that's listening to this interview and they're like, I want to learn more about Million Dollar Teacher Project. Now it's e- now I have to create easy ways mm-hmm. for in diverse ways because not everybody's form of activism or participation or volunteerism is the same. So you got to create diverse ways, whether it's me getting invited to be on a podcast. You know, this in, in your way is participating in the work that we're trying to do. You are now a part of this Million Dollar Teacher Project community. Mm-hmm. And so allowing every, as many people as possible to participate in the work in varied ways is essential to grow. So the community for me is immensely important for the work that we do. I love those three very digestible, bite-sized, community-driven, cost-effective, easy access. That makes it, that makes your mission and your purpose, you understand, but not only can you utilize it for you guys, that should be, you know, a thread through all of these other things that we're doing. Yeah. Randy, what about you? So when it comes to what you guys do with GCU, GCU is so well connected with the community. I feel like I see the logo and information and it says sponsored by or whatever by GCU a lot. What is that drive and that purpose with GCU being so connected with the community? Yeah, I want to thank uh, Lloyd. He articulated it awesomely. I'll try and uh, <laughs> keep up. And uh, I also promised my good friend, Adam Goodman, that I'd give him a shout yeah. out. He was, he was a recent guest. And, yes. Um, we love and, Adam. And I've, I've challenged, I've looked at my name every way. <laughs> a damn good man. And I, my name doesn't say that. <laughs> Isn't anyway. that the coolest thing? Adam was just on a couple That's weeks hilarious. ago. And at the right? very end of the show, I said, hey, you know, how can people reach you and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, when you break up my name, it's a damn good man. And he said he figured it out in the sixth grade. And I'm like, shit, I missed out. My dad doesn't do anything. <laughs> our parents right? anyway, dropped the ball. They yeah. dropped the ball for his sure. Parents, I'm going to send his parents Adam. a thank you card. <laughs> well, I guess I was just trying to think how to go about this. I want to give really a shout out to the whole Phoenix community of business leaders because mm. We're the fifth largest metropolitan area, and yet we're such a small community. And everybody is open to meet and, and connect. Mr. Jerry Colangelo, um, his famous phrase, he's on campus. I've escorted him to 60, 70 classroom visits over the last eight years. Mm-hmm. And his message is life is relational. Mm-hmm. That's what he tells every group of students he speaks with. Because how he built the Phoenix Suns uh, came to Phoenix in 1968. And then in 98, he had the Arizona Diamondbacks, right? He's, he's led the U.S. Olympic uh, basketball program. He has four gold medals. Uh, he created, helped create downtown and this vibrant economic impact kind of center that we have now in Arizona. But it's all through relationships. And so in 2014, when I started, I'm a retired Air Force pilot. What? I didn't have any business connections. I just had to throw myself into the community and everybody was so welcoming. And it really started with the relationships within Conscious Capitalism Arizona, mm-hmm. 
big shout out, of course, to uh, Scott McIntosh and his leadership of that group, Brian Moore, Heidi, Michael Kuhl, you know, the list goes on and on of people that I met and were introduced to. And then as we tried to grow our, our little business school here at GCU that no one re really even knew because it's, it's such an ASU U of A town, but eventually relationship by relationship, as our college enrollment had grown in the business school, they needed internships. And then those internships led to jobs, which led to more networking with businesses to hire more students. Cause in the end, it's about getting that outcome, you know, in so many ways, we're like an undergrad teaching college that our focus is to produce talent for the workforce. And we're bringing students in from all over the country to now that, you know, our advisory board is from Charles Schwab, the Vanguard, the Knight Swift, uh, Rick Dirks with Dirks Moving and Logistics, uh, Bo Lane, Lane Tara Lever, uh, advertising, keep shooting your text, Randy, I need your best Excel student who's, you know, just a guru with at manipulating data and, and finding context and meaning out of Excel sheets and running data and reports. So then I'd reach out to our faculty who'd reach out to our students and we'd get seven kids down there and they'd, they'd be inter interviewing for an internship. Uh, Adam Goodman has been an amazing helper. Morgan Stanley, ADP. I mean, the list goes on. Um, Lauren uh, Bailey with Upper Projects of supporting what we're trying to do here to connect students to jobs and which has led to then me meeting these amazing people, business leaders that all are very purpose-minded leaders here in Arizona. So that, that's how I did it, one relationship at a time. And now uh, our business school has grown considerably and we have students everywhere and it's a ton of fun. <laughs> Relationships are everything. And, and Randy, I just have a quick question for you. So Kendra, you've kind of mentioned uh, my multiple hats that I wear. The other, uh, so I, so I essentially run two companies, or I'm involved with the operations of two companies. One is Million Dollar Teacher Project, which is my nonprofit organization that I founded, and the other is the Social Television Network, which is a streaming television platform that everybody listening to this can go to your app store. Google Play Store and download that app right now, Social Television Network, just type it in. And my question for you is that with both of these entities, I'm working on building a relationship with uh, GCU. With the Social Television Network, we want to um, um, have access to your film students, you know, for internship opportunities with Million Dollar Teacher Project. I'm, I'm trying to build a relationship with your, uh, grow the relationship that we have with your teacher's college for, for, stu for, teaching, uh, for student teachers, to, uh, students on that path to do internships. But one thing that, that happens that's kind of been a challenge is with, with us working with universities is that they're, you're such big entities. You know, you're, you're doing a lot. And every kind of every department has their silo um, and, and there isn't often communication between the silos. And so sometimes that can make it hard for folks like me to try to find that entry point to really get active, build a relationship with the with the campus and be a partner. You know, um, like I want both of these these entities to be viewed as a partner where we really right. work together and we'll have and we'll have conversations but I think we but even with you all you're you're met, you're working with thousands of students and there's so much going on so have you all had any conversations or or is there any thought process on how that process may become may be able to be simplified or or how their or how um community members can or, or community organizational leaders, maybe is a better way for me to ask it, can really build those relationships um, because you all have resources. We have experiences that your students need. Um, and sometimes there's, there's a communication gap. Great question. And, and we pride ourselves on being uh, the accessible, easy to approach university. We're going to have over 25,000 students on campus this fall. But um, that said, in my new role, let's make this happen. Let, let's fix it. I'll personally commit to uh, finding a way. Uh, we have a strategic employer initiative team that really focuses on, there's uh, Marquis Scott, really focuses on internships. Yep. HIA helps out with business development 
and jobs. And we look at all of this is what this is all about is getting students to experience real world experience while they're students. So then when they graduate, they're not entry level, they're actually entry level plus experience type uh, new hires. So yeah, let's, let's do this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Make it happen. We'll get you on campus, get you connected. Um, we have an amazing new Dean of, uh, the College of Arts and Media, okay. and I know he'd love to get involved with, uh, you know, you mentioned digital film, yeah. uh, th- those types of young, uh, amazingly talented students who could be part of your team. Yeah, fantastic. And that's that's the beauty of this, right? These relationships, because that's right. where it starts, right? Mm-hmm. It starts with, even if there's a big company and you're trying to really connect with them, and like you said, different departments might be more easily accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about it from that culture perspective. You've got a huge company. Well, one department might have a very beautiful culture. One department might have a toxic culture. As a whole, though, you have these really big companies that are doing amazing, beautiful things, mm-hmm. and you want to connect and you want to collaborate. How do you do that? How do you get in? And that's exactly how you get in through one relationship, one conversation at a time. Yeah. And... Sometimes it's baby steps and sometimes it's knocking on lots of doors. But that's the beautiful thing, like Randy said, about this community here in Phoenix. We are a huge metropolitan space of businesses and entrepreneurs and startups. But we are kind of small in the same aspect. And so it really is just one conversation at a time, one relationship at a time. I feel like the way Phoenix individuals and community members work is I've always met people that are willing to make those connections. Mm -hmm. This show is another beautiful example. It's not too often that I specifically reach out and try and, and ask somebody to come on the show. Really what's been naturally happening is people introducing people and saying, Hey, you need to have so-and-so now you need to meet this person. And then you need it. And it's this (laughs) web of beautiful relationships Mm -hmm. And that is how this mission of changing the world, right? Lauren, when you and I met, we're like, all right, how are we going to yep. change how the planet? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how this works. And that's how you make that change. It's not going to be, you know, GCU doing it by themselves. It's yeah. not going to be a million dollar teacher project by themselves. Um, I've been part of a lot of nonprofits and companies that are making a big difference. But if they tackle it, just trying to do it on their own, it's not going to happen. It has to be the community involvement and all of those connections together. And that's why I love what happens in this studio. And Daryl, our producer, knows that. These connections of Mm -hmm. it's one relationship at a time. And, you know, Randy, your answer of like, okay, let's make it happen. Yeah. Sharon Sharon Huang, is uh, she was COO at GPEC. She's a rock star. She's she's since left GPEC, but when she came in, I, I really respect. I mean, she's amazing, a rock star, smart, articulate, and very unbiased. So when she, I think she has experience, professional experience in New York and San Francisco, and then she came to Phoenix, and and she called it like it was, uh, called it like it is here. But she was very very complimentary to what the friendliness, the welcoming of the Phoenix business community, and then she made a ton of friends and connections. And then she came on our Colangelo College of Business Advisory Board. She's still connected today. Um, but I, I just want to recognize her as somebody who came in because, mm-hmm. you know, after a while, we're all a bunch of homers. You know, we think Arizona is, you know, can do no wrong. And, <laughs> but she came in and she called it like it is. You know, I, I just so enjoy her perspective. And, uh, but she's certainly spot on by, by sharing how welcoming and friendly, you know, you, everybody's willing to meet for a cup of coffee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really very synergistic when I saw that you had Randy on here and his tie to GCU, because this is le- legitimately a school that we're actively looking to grow our relationship with. So yeah. that was divine of you to put us both here today. So I thank yeah, you so much, like so that. much. <laughs> uh, but back to the kind of the relationship thing that that Randy mentioned relationships are everything. Mm -hmm. The relationships that benefit me the greatest today are ones that I started building 10, 15 years ago. And I tell interns in our office all the time, never take for granted any relationship. Never discount anybody Mm -hmm. because you never know 
what what their trajectory is going to be. You never know where they're going to end up. You never know where your paths are going to cross again. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that played out for me is that in my intro, I talked about the most meaningful time in my journey being when I was a teaching assistant in the Alhambra Elementary School District, right? Um, I worked at Barcelona Middle School, and I was literally on that campus probably 12 hours a day that um, I was a teaching assistant during the day and I was running their after-school recreation programs at night. So I was really involved on that campus. Um, And years later, a lot of those teachers that I was working with started becoming principals and taking leadership roles. And so when I launched Million Dollar Teacher Project, I had such great relationships with them as teachers. Like they could stand behind my work. They could stand behind my integrity. They saw me in action. So when I came with this crazy idea to bring more support for, for, for educators, I had an entire district because I had worked on multiple schools in that, in, that, in that district that was willing to partner before I was even a proven concept. And that was all just off of reputation. That was all just off of my work when I was just a teaching assistant, you know, wasn't even leading an organization. Uh, so relationships are everything because you never know where a relationship can take you. Mm -hmm. And to Randy's point, it all starts with a conversation. It all starts with us just sitting down, trying to figure out where's the commonality, what do we both care about, and how can we get there together? Mm -hmm. And sometimes, even before that, it's, I feel like sometimes I go to these networking events and it's a different feel here. I used to live in San Diego and I'd be in LA for events and Man, the LA vibe is very different. <laughs> they within the first four seconds, if you are not beneficial to them, they're done. Right. They're out. Right. It's very different than like what you're saying. Don't discount anybody. Mm-hmm. Keep that relationship. Build that relationship. You don't know how you're gonna help them or they're gonna help you one day. And so that connection, right? My brain, I have so many ideas and <laughs> thoughts right now. <laughs> but those relationships build when you don't even know where they're going to start from, right? And so, Randy, I want to jump to you because that leads me back to something you mentioned earlier. You were listing off a handful of people that are connected with conscious capitalism here in the community. So when I got involved with conscious capitalism, it was by accident. I was working with a company and we were in the same space as some of the conscious capitalism events. And I realized I aligned with it very much, but the company I worked for did not. Mm. So I was like... So I got involved. So I wanted to bounce back to you as we're talking about all these relationships and building relationships and conversations. How did that start with you? Because now that's very ingrained in the college and in GCU and what you're doing. So where did those conversations start with you? Yeah, thanks. Boy, it was back 2012, 2013. I met Suzanne Zentner when I was at ASU. Suzanne Zentner is one of my mentors. I love Dr. it. Dr. Z. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So Suzanne was like, hey, Randy, I want to teach this course, but I want to teach it using this yellow book, the Conscious Capitalism book by John <laughs> Mackey and Raj Sodia. So I got introduced to then and then I was just at ASU for a year and then I moved over to GCU. And that's what I brought in to our business school was we need a whole new approach. We can't be stuck in the 1980s. We need to. And it's it's just a new narrative, right? It's just, it's good business. You have to generate revenue. You need to be efficient. You need to uh, make a profit or better stated, generate a surplus or an abundance that then can be reinvested. So that's how we've integrated into the culture of, of uh, the Colangelo College business here at GCU was, was by buying the book for every faculty, then buying firms of endearment for every faculty, and then inviting people on campus to speak about it. And my background is a commanded uh, an Air Force flying unit, and you talked safety. Well, the culture of your flying organization needed to accomplish the mission and be safe in everything it does, and you can't cut corners on safety in your culture. Well, same thing. You can't bring a culture in and a new idea if you can't just flip a switch. Mm-hmm. It's got to be in everything you do. Every, every word you say, it has to support that. And so that's what's happened over eight years to where I would pop in a classroom and next thing I know it, I'm, I'm hearing students talk about stakeholder orientation and, and developing a culture and a business. And it's like, oh, it's so heartwarming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Full circle. It's happening. I'm not even aware it's happening, but this is what's happened because, you know, from 2000 and now 7,000 business students, they're all talking, learning about conscious capitalism and then taking that with them in their career and their jobs 
because we all spend right way too much time at work and hopefully we all love what we do and we're engaged and we feel supported, valued, loved, respected. Um, I love Raj's book that he came out with a year ago with uh, the healing organization, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How the company one. serves a purpose for society, but working for the company serves a purpose for the employees. And so this is right. The culture crush aspect of I can be a better human being by working at this company. Cause then, well, what happens at work matters, right? Mm-hmm. I can go home and I can be a better father, husband, dad, uncle, may, uh, neighbor, you know, you name it. Mm-hmm. If I can be a better person because what I do at work, boy, that's what we hope for happens all over the world. Mm-hmm. And for you guys, I feel like it, it comes a little naturally, right? Because what you're doing is very impactful. You're, you're growing and building those students so that they can go be part of the workforce. Mm-hmm. And then Lloyd, what you're doing, right, with Million Dollar Teacher Project. So with both of you, you're, you're growing businesses that just at the bottom level are doing amazing things, right? So what advice can you give to somebody who maybe there isn't that that beautiful mission behind it? Maybe it's just a shoe company, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? They're, they're going into a company that doesn't necessarily have that beautiful mission. Maybe they're just selling a printer, selling shoes. What can you give them to, you know, to take with? Well, jump in, I'll let them go and answer. Sorry, but it goes back. We mentioned Adam earlier, mm-hmm. right? He's the first one to say he sells office furniture. There's nothing really fun and wild yeah. sounding about that, but the impact you can make on people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I talk with students, I try, you know, you sell insurance. It doesn't sound that exciting, but uh, there's a huge need for risk and insurance talent in the industry. They're all retiring. And, but if you can help someone, right, your higher purpose can truly become mm-hmm. taking care of somebody and have a plan for the, the worst events that people don't want to plan for. So you you truly have, you can serve people, even though insurance doesn't sound exciting, it's it's needed in society. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things you don't know you want it or need it until you really need it, uh, whether that's health, mm-hmm. life, any, any type of insurance. Um, and I'm- I, I really think any business is going to solve a problem for society and it's going to help society. So there's a purpose. Yeah. I don't wait, wait and I'm, But I'm so glad that you mentioned Adam again, because when we had Adam on the show a couple of weeks ago, that very thing came up in conversation about it's just furniture. Mm-hmm. And then it was so amazing through the conversation because he was talking about with it being a hybrid world right now, virtual, in-person, whatever. And they're completely redesigning their office. Mind you, they sell office furniture, mm-hmm. right? They're completely redesigning their office so that they can welcome their staff back in, but they're not requiring their staff to come into the office. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a mi- like mind blown right there, right? Mm-hmm. They're a company that builds office furniture, but they're not requiring their people to come into the office. Like, right. that's where, Randy, I'm so glad you mentioned it because that's where it's it's something more. It's that there's there's a purpose. There's a higher purpose involved there. It's not just hey, we're selling chairs. There is so much more that they're doing from the sustainability aspect, conservation aspect, um, you know, growing people and taking care of their employees and making that workplace a better place to be, Mm. even though (laughs) they're not requiring them to come in person, even though they sell Mm -hmm. office chairs. (laughs) I was, it was so fun. I was just mind blown. I was like, this is how you know this man is truly making a difference. Right, right. For me, I, I I believe that innately everybody wants to make a difference. Everybody wants to wants to impact the world in some capacity. Mm-hmm. And and Jay Z had a line in one of his songs where he said, "There's much bigger issues in the world." He knows, but you first got to start with the world you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what that means for me is that we all want to make a difference in some capacity, but you have to figure out what's the most meaningful for you. You know, like like when you're really trying to make community impact, it can't be performative and you can't look at what somebody else is doing and compare and and try to emulate what they're doing because maybe their way isn't meaningful to you. You know, you have to figure out, you know, because there 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 are some people like I used to be very critical of like the, the social media activist, you know, but I've but I've 
since evolved and learned that, there, you know, there's a place for that. There's a place for kind of mobilizing online. There's a place for people that are out in the community. There is a place for people that are doing it from a business perspective. So one, you got to figure out what's really meaningful for you uh, because that's the only way you're going to sustain it. The bottom line is you have to take a human-centered approach to what you're doing. So kind of like to your example of what Adam Goodman and they're doing at Goodman's, they're taking a human-centered approach to their employees, mm-hmm. to their staff. Like, let's understand, and, and, and Randy mentioned this, said this word earlier, let's be empathetic to their experience. Like, let's not just force them to come back into the environment, but let's, let's focus more energy on creating an environment that they want to come back to, mm-hmm. opposed to, no, you have to come in and we're breathing down your neck. And, and that's one thing that's really important to me, a Million Dollar Teacher Project, is really trying to create an office environment that the staff just, they want to be there. Mm-hmm. We like working with each other. We like hanging with each other. It's, it's a, you're able to show up as your authentic self. So even looking at your company policies, am I allowing my staff to show up as their authentic selves, have their authentic voices? Do they feel valued? Do they feel seen? Because I think as the world evolves coming out of the pandemic, that's going to be such a priority, kind of on par with how much you're paying people. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think a part of what's happened is that people have been able to work virtually and work at home and not necessarily have to deal with so many of the different office politics that really used to exist. And, and it's like, yeah, it, it can kind of be um, unattractive to have to go back to deal with that, you know? And so really thinking from a company perspective, like, okay, how do we create that environment where people can feel seen? They can feel like they can be themselves here. Um, how can we change that? And then for those folks that want to go a bit bigger and want to actually start a nonprofit or start an organization like I did, you know, it, it has to be rooted to your real passion because all of this work is is challenging. None of it's easy, mm-hmm. you know. And so you have to um, really think about what you're the most passionate about, uh, what you're the most discontent about as a community member, as a customer, whatever it is, and then really decide if you have a unique approach that's not already being done or how can you build upon what's being done and maybe do it better or help it grow, and then you hop in. But it, but it has to be tied to your passion in whatever you're trying to do. And, and the main point I want to get across is that impacting people is diverse. There's many different ways that you can do that. It's not just from a nonprofit perspective. You can do it as a for-profit. You can do Mm -hmm. conscious capitalism. You can start small and just think about your business, like how are we impacting these people? But there can be a a community-driven, human-centered aspect to everything we do. And what I want to challenge everybody listening to this podcast is to think about what that could be for you. Whoa! (laughs) (laughs) And that's, that's how it says. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you couldn't have said it any better, especially through the conversation today. We're talking about community and human-centered and servant leadership and all of that, finding your purpose, building the people in your company, like you said, allowing them to become their more authentic self. Mm-hmm. Um, some of it's the dollar aspect. Some of it's not nowadays. Yeah. Uh, most people out there are willing to take a job that pays less where they can be themselves, truly feel valued, mm-hmm. um, have their thoughts, you know, taken into consideration and listened to, and then feel like they're growing mm-hmm. too, right? Most most people out there are willing to take a pay cut so that they can have that company to work for. Um, especially, Randy, you said it, we spend most of our time at work now. Mm-hmm. And especially with this weird hybrid, sometimes you're at home and at home and at work, you're working at home or you know, it's it's becoming more of a realization and an understanding for people. It's not like back in the day where you hated your job, mm-hmm. but it put food on the table. So you sucked it up. Mm-hmm. You went to work. You did your job. You came home grumpy. Right. It's it's right. not that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's um, it's the eight years evolved. And now I'm going on my ninth year here at GCU is <clears throat> I, I kind of share with the, I share with the business leaders. I'm like, 
you guys have to articulate who you are. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not, and it's not just the best students, any student, and, and everybody needs talent these days. Everybody mm-hmm. needs to bring on a, a motivated, work-talented workforce. If, if you're going to hire these people, they're going to challenge you about your purpose. Are you living it out? How mm-hmm. are you serving the company? Mm-hmm. If a company cannot do that, people's, you know, these, these amazing students from all over the country that are deciding to move here and start a family here, mm-hmm. and, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to go somewhere else. They're going to go to your competitor if you're not doing it yourself. Yeah. Um, I did want to share as we're closing, I'm really excited because uh, I'm seeing the conscious capitalism uh, logo behind you as well as business radio X. And we need to give a shout out to Karen. I'm thinking. Our, our, <laughs> Absolutely. Right? Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. And then while we have some time, Randy, this might be what you're going towards. I yeah. do, as we're talking about companies and purpose and uh, sustainability and all of this, I do want you to tell us about the event that you guys are putting together that you're doing in September. Yes. Thank you so much. We're so excited for this. Talk about uh, purpose-minded business leaders. Mm-hmm. On Monday, September 12th, uh, this was an idea we've had a long time and it just kind of came to be. Uh, our good friend, uh, friend Nathan Havey, uh, has produced, created a film called Beyond Zero. Mm. And so it's a, it's a stakeholder orientation, conscious capitalism themed event, really focused on sustainability. And as, as an academic, I've asked the people in conscious capitalism, how you can help business schools is through case studies, highlighting businesses that are doing it right. And mm. there's no judging. Everybody's on their own journey. I really want to emphasize that. And Beyond Zero is a documentary, a business case study on the company called Interface and their journey, which happened to be on sustainability. They make carpet tiles. At one time, they bragged that uh, they were indestructible, and then they realized that's not a good thing, and they completely reinvented themselves. Ray Anderson is their CEO. He was their CEO. Sadly, he's passed away. But what he created and led, talk about servant leadership, culture change, technology, investment, risk, created enough revenue and abundance to reinvest. And, and so this movie is, is going to just be a great event. We hope to get three, 4,000 people in the GCU arena eating popcorn and watching this <laughs> movie. And it's about honoring Interface and what they were able to do. Uh, it's about education and it's about inspiration. So we hope to honor, educate, and inspire everybody who's there to see what they could do with their company. Again, everybody's on their own journey. The, the emphasis is, you know, if, if somebody out there listening wants to bring their whole company, that would be awesome. What a great team building event. Mm-hmm. And then they meet throughout the next couple of days after watching the movie to say, well, what can we do uh, to be the change the world needs? As you mentioned, uh, Lloyd. No um, so it's uh, $25 a person. The money goes towards making hopefully more movies with Nathan Havey, more business documentaries. So we're going to have a networking, you know, event prior, watch the movie about an hour and 20 minutes. And then Nathan Havey and then Joey Shea, who works for Interface, they're going to be on stage taking questions. So it's it's just going to be an impactful evening here at the GCU campus. And basically everybody's invited. And Randy, you know, when we connect and we start figuring out how we can change the world together, right. one thing that I would really love to weave into our conversations is how we can strategize or work together on growing the conversation from social entrepreneurs and nonprofit leaders in this business space. Because I, I often feel like what gets left out is nonprofits, you know, and nonprofits are very yeah. much businesses, you know, and they, oh, and, right. and for yeah. them to be sustainable, they have to actually re- operate like a business. You know, yes. they have to think about how do we generate revenue? We have to think about being good stewards yep. of the, mm-hmm. the funding, the, all of those things. And just the product is different. You know, the only, you know, instead of me creating a, a soda can, you know, I'm, I'm trying, hopefully creating a better academic experience for students through teachers, you know, but there's still a product that has to be created. And really the only thing that separates a for-profit from a nonprofit is the tax exempt status, but a lot of the same DNA is there. Yeah. And so I was, purpose. yeah, 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 yeah. So I'd love to be a part of yes, for sure. any thoughts you all are having around that. 
I'm excited to hear later how these conversations go with you guys. Oh, you're going to be there. I'm excited. Culture crush. <laughs> We're tackling the going to be there. <laughs> so before we wrap up, Randy, first to you, if somebody wants to bring their whole team to that event in September, what's the best way that you would like them to register for that event? Oh, yeah. It, it, they can email me at randy.gib at gcu.edu and I'll send you the flyer. Uh, Conscious Capitalism AZ is a huge supporter. Max Six, Scott McIntosh, of course, the Better Business Bureau. We're working with them, Kimberly Rowland, uh, Matthew Failing. So we've got a great team, and there's going to be a social media uh, campaign starting because we're about six, seven weeks out from September 12th. So that'll, so one, you know, keep your head on a swivel. You're going to see it. Excited, but email me. Don't add an S. It's not Gibbs. It's randy.gib at gcu.edu. Happy to help. Hopefully we get four or 5,000 people on campus uh, together being inspired. So thank you. Awesome. And then is that a good way for folks to reach you even about other things going on with GCU or other oh, questions sure. about um, yep. conscious capitalism, servant leadership, all of that? Uh, I'm, I'm here to answer <laughs> questions and serve. I'm happy to do it. Thank you. I'll tell you from experience. He's very good at responding to emails quickly. So. <laughs> and then, Lloyd, what about you? How can people reach you to learn about Million Dollar Teacher Project, social network, all of that stuff, yeah. all of the hats that you wear? Uh, so first, we're available on all social media platforms. So it's just at M as in million, D as in dollar, T as in teacher project. So type in at MDT project across any platform, and we're going to pop up. And a couple ways that folks can get engaged, some easy pathways to involvement now that you've listened and heard this, and hopefully you've been reminded how important teachers are and you've been exposed to a passionate educator like Randy and and know how, how important it is for us all to participate, is we have a classroom supply drive going on right now in partnership with Cricket Wireless. Uh, so you can drop into any Cricket Wireless location and drop off classroom supply that we can give to teachers. And then the second thing is our annual fundraiser is actually taking place this Friday. We're looking to raise $25,000 to launch an education endowment fund called the Teachers We Trust Fund. We're going to use this fund to offer scholarships to teachers looking to um, further their education, offer emergency assistance to teachers experiencing hardships, offer classroom field trip grants, and offer basic needs assistance to students identified by teachers. So people, the, the event is sold out, but if anybody wants to support uh, the launch of that endowment fund and make a contribution towards it, you can go to our website, which is mdtproject.org, hit the donate button, and you can make a contribution. Awesome. And then if they want to reach you in particular... Any questions or connecting or whatnot? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so you can email me, Lloyd, L-L. For, don't forget the two L's. It's two L's. L-L-O-Y-D at M as in million, D as in dollar, T as in teacher, project.org. So that's Lloyd at mdtproject.org. Shoot me an email. I'd love to talk with you. I love it. I'm so excited that it worked out to have both of you on the show together this room is about not only do we talk about company culture and just community connections and all of that, but the relationships and how we build those relationships about and around whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It is so impactful. We can't just tackle any of these things on our own. So I love the alignment with the two of you, and I'm excited to be part of any of the conversations afterwards. Um, or maybe Daryl hears me say this every time. Maybe we do a part two conversation. Yeah. I say it all the time, but I think <laughs> maybe next year we won't have to have any new guests. We'll just do part twos yeah. of everything. It'll be great. Uh, so thank you to both of you. And when we post all of this afterwards, we'll have the information about Million Dollar Teacher Project and that September event as well. So thank you for both of you. And thank you and your team, your fabulous team in here. And you're an amazing host. You created a, a very comfortable environment. So kudos to you. Thank, well, thank you. you. Yep. Kendra, you're a rock star. Thank you. Lloyd, love what you're doing. Thank uh, you, we're Randy. Following up. Yep. I love it. Well, thank you to both of you. Again, on this podcast, we focus on bringing you real life stories and conversations about improving company culture. 
We hope that you have been able to take away a few of those tidbits, maybe how you can work with the community a little more or maybe lessons that you can take back to your office on helping your team become maybe their more authentic self. That's the purpose behind what we're doing here. But also remember that there is more than just a podcast when it comes to Culture Crush. Culture Crush has vetted resources and partnerships so that as we were talking in the conversation, if you are trying to improve your company culture and maybe you just can't put your finger on it on, you know, what space you need to focus on first, that's what we do. And that's what we focus on helping improve company culture. So thank you everyone else again for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Culture Crush, the only podcast out there that does a deep dive of companies that are crushing it with a great company culture. If you think your company has a strong culture that should be highlighted, please reach out to Kendra Maples on LinkedIn or email us at culturecrushpodcast at gmail.com.